conclusion that John gives us in John chapter 21, those last two verses that Brother Jack read for us a moment ago, which remind us that there are many other things that John could have said. There are many other things that could have been included in the gospel accounts. But he says, I suppose if you tried to write each thing that Jesus did one by one and place all of that into a book, he says, I don't think that even the world itself could contain all that Jesus came and did. It reminds me of the conclusion of chapter 20. That's the conclusion of chapter 21. You back up to the conclusion of John and chapter 20, and there remember that John records for us that the purpose of Jesus performing all of these signs, the purpose of Jesus performing all of these miracles was to prove that He is in fact the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so tonight what I want to do is study one of those signs. I think it's fascinating to study the miracles that Jesus performed. I think it's fascinating to study any miracle that we find in the Bible. It's something you and I have not seen. It's something you and I will never see, as miracles have ceased to exist. But we understand that as we put ourselves in the shoes of those who actually witness such things, it's fascinating to see power on display. And And John says here that that power that's on display is evidence of Jesus being the Son of God. And so I want to strengthen our faith. I want to strengthen my faith in Jesus being the Son of God. And one of the ways we do this is to study the miracles that Jesus performed. Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 10. And let's make some observations tonight as we study a miracle that may or may not be very well known to you. But I think as we begin reading, you'll at least find it to be something you have read before. In Mark chapter 10, we're going to look at the final verses, beginning in verse number 46, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter, and then we'll make some observations about this particular miracle. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 46, Mark records by inspiration, Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many warmed him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. He commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered him and and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now let's just make some observations together tonight and we'll make some application. Let's make about seven observations if you please. And let's begin by just making this very simple on ourselves, and let us begin by understanding that what we're dealing with is a problem. Bartimaeus has a problem, and it's pretty obvious what the problem is, right? His problem is he's blind. Three times, maybe four, you'll find in this short context, as Mark records for us here, that he is blind, as if we need reminding that Jesus is seeing here a blind man. All right, so he has a problem. Bartimaeus cannot see. He is blind. This is how the people have known him in that area. You notice there that Mark refers to him in verse number 46 as blind Bartimaeus. He doesn't just say, hey, this is Bartimaeus and he's blind. This is 
blind Bartimaeus as if to say, this is how people know him. He is the son of Timaeus, but this is blind Bartimaeus. Observation number one, there's a problem. There's a problem. Bartimaeus is blind. Observation number two is, this is a problem that Bartimaeus cannot fix. It's a problem that he cannot fix on his own. And because it is a problem that he cannot fix on his own, he is completely dependent on other people. You notice the last word of that same verse, number 46, is begging. He is blind and he's begging. Now, we come across people who are begging all the time. You see them on many street corners, even here in Midland. You see them in many cities across the world, and across this nation especially, it seems. But you find many people that we would refer to as, as beggars. Now, it is not my place here tonight. In fact, I have to check my attitude sometimes when I'm driving and I see them. Sometimes I have to remind myself that there is a soul in that individual, and that soul is going to live in one of two places for eternity, just like mine. And so I have to remind myself that I don't know exactly what's going on in the life of that person that I'm watching uh, on the street corners, even of Midland. But I will say this. Bartimaeus is blind. And in that day and time, there was simply no other option for him. He was begging. Jesus does not condemn him for begging. The, the context here in Mark chapter 10 doesn't look down on the fact that he is begging. It's not condemning his action at all. It is simply suggesting to us that that is his lot in life. Because he has a problem that he cannot fix on his own, he is completely reliant on other people to meet all of his needs. Quite a place to find yourself, isn't it? And you and I, we have trouble putting ourselves in those shoes because you and I really have trouble doing that. No matter what we have or don't have in this life, a few of us will find ourselves ever perhaps in the position that Bartimaeus did. I, I was speaking to a group of young people last week at Bible camp, and I said, you know, you find yourselves dependent. You know, there are many of you, and they were talking about young people, and I was a young person, and so were you, and, and you know that there was a point in your life where you were completely dependent on someone else. And that is to say that if, if your parents or your, your loved ones that you were with, if, if they just got up and left you, you were going to be in a world of hurt because you were dependent on them. That's where Bartimaeus found himself. All right, so they just get the picture. He's got a problem, and his problem is he can't fix on his own. And so it leaves him completely reliant on other people. And so we see this in the life of Bartimaeus. Here's observation number three. Observation number three is is there's nothing wrong with his hearing. He hears that Jesus is coming. Isn't it true that when one of your senses doesn't seem to be working quite as well, that other senses seem to be heightened? Isn't that true when, when maybe your eyesight's not working so well, your ears might work a little better? Or when you struggle with your hearing, you'll try to rely a little bit more on your eyesight? And maybe when you can't see so well, maybe you rely just a little more heavily on your ability to touch and feel things. It seems to me that Bartimaeus, he couldn't see, but his ears seemed to be heightened. Doesn't your Bible say that he heard, verse 47, he heard that Jesus was coming? He heard a great multitude of people, and he heard that Jesus was coming. And so we see that Bartimaeus was a very good listener. And because he was a good listener and he hears that it's Jesus that is coming, he begins to use his voice and he cries out. 
Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Other people walked by, and I suppose you could say he was begging for mercy. But really what he wanted was money. That's what he needed. When Jesus comes by, he doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for anything like that. What he, is, what he says is, I, I need your mercy. That's an interesting word, isn't it, to choose? That Bartimaeus would use, I need you to have mercy on me. And what he's saying is, I need you to have pity. I need you to have compassion. I need you to be, catch it, gracious. This is what we know about Bartimaeus in using that particular word. It's as if he is saying, Jesus, I don't deserve it, but please heal me. I haven't done anything to deserve your time. I haven't done anything to deserve your stopping to do anything for me. I don't deserve for you to take care of my eyesight, but I'm begging you for mercy. Get the picture. Problem. I can't fix it on my own. And I need your mercy. You with me? Number four. The reaction of the people. Isn't it fascinating that we're dealing with an event that took place some 2,000 years ago, and yet people are still people? And what we find is that many of the same reactions that we read about in the Bible are the same reactions that we would, take, that we would find taking place uh, even still today. Somebody is here and they've got a problem and they can't fix the problem on their own and they see the solution to their problem and so he cries out and he begs for Jesus to help him. And many of the people, the Bible says, do what? They tell him to be quiet. (laughs) Bartimaeus, please shut your mouth. Stop it. Stop crying out for him. Stop having anything to want to do with him. Stop, stop crying out to him. Aren't there still those people around today? You mention the name Jesus, they want you to stop. You mention the name Jesus, you mention anything about God, you mention anything about religion, and all of a sudden they want you to be very quiet. I wonder why. Why did, that, why did they tell him to be quiet? The Bible doesn't specifically tell us. I think there are some things that we certainly could infer. And I'm not in the business of reading into the text. Uh, that's certainly not what we're about. But I try to put myself in that situation that day, and I wonder, what are the people thinking that they would tell Bartimaeus, a man that clearly has a problem, why would they tell him to be quiet? You thought about that? I wonder if some of them weren't embarrassed. Embarrassed? You ever been by somebody who was loud, and, uh, and it drew attention in your direction, and you didn't really want any attention brought in your direction. Uh, I am by nature uh, fairly reclusive, believe it or not, and I find myself really not enjoying limelight. I think that's why I stand up here behind this podium and not out roaming around so much. But I, I really enjoy kind of hiding a lot of my body here behind this podium and I don't really like a lot of attention brought my way, generally speaking. And I think a lot of us maybe can be that way, where you've got those people who are extrovert and they don't mind the attention, and then there are others of us who really don't care for it much. And could it be that there were some in that crowd, when he is screaming at Jesus, there are others who are cowering. 
Like, hey, I really don't want the attention. I really don't want Jesus to look over here. You know, there are some people over here who really don't care for Jesus, and you're, you're, you're uh, bringing attention over here in my direction, and that's embarrassing me a little bit. Maybe it was. Some in that crowd with Bartimaeus as he's crying out for Jesus. Maybe some are just embarrassed at what's going on. Could it be that there are some who are angered by it? And maybe with their anger, maybe a little jealous of it. Look, I can't stand Jesus. There were plenty of people in that day and time, right, that didn't care for Jesus even at this time. And maybe they're angered that somebody is crying out and trying to get the attention of Jesus. They're angered by it. Maybe there are some in that crowd who are jealous of Jesus. Saw that he was walking with a great multitude down the road and wondered, why aren't people following me? You think there could have been some leaders of the Jews who were, who were there and maybe jealous of Jesus and the attention that he was getting at this time? And maybe in their jealousy, they, they told Bartimaeus, stop it. Or maybe there were some that day that were just filled with their own arrogant pride. Bartimaeus, who are you? Well, you're just a beggar. Bartimaeus, who are you? You're just a blind beggar. Who are you to be calling out for help from somebody like Jesus? Could it be in their arrogant pride that they were uh, looking down on Bartimaeus? thinking he didn't deserve the help that maybe Jesus could provide. I'm just suggesting to us tonight that there are those in this world who are crying out for people to stop talking about Jesus. And I think that some of these emotions will back that up. They're embarrassed by the thought of Jesus. They're angered by the thought of Jesus. They're jealous at the thought of Jesus. Or maybe they're just too filled with their own pride to want anything to do with Him. Now we still find those people today, don't we? Well... The fact is, Bartimaeus wasn't giving up so easily. And so as they told him to be quiet, Mark will tell us, he just cried out all the more. He wasn't going to be quieted that day. You see, he had a problem that he couldn't fix on his own, and the solution is walking by, and so he is not going to be stifled. Even if they tell him to stop, he will cry out all the louder, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many will tell him to be quiet. But some, after Jesus calls for him to come out on the road, some will help him get to Jesus. Now, we'll get to this more in just a second, but let me say this. You're ultimately going to find yourself in one of those two camps. You're either going to be one who is hindering someone from getting to Jesus, or you're going to be one who helps somebody get to Jesus. You're going to find yourself in one of those two camps. Now, it's pretty easy to know which one tonight you would like to find yourself in. Who would like to sit here tonight and raise your hand and say, Yeah, I'm one who who doesn't mind hindering people from getting to Jesus. But we better be living in a way that's not hindering people from getting to Jesus. There's a lesson there on a side note as we look at Bartimaeus. We better not be hindering people from getting to Jesus. We better be doing everything we can to help them get to Jesus. Now, we see the people, the reaction of the people. Number five is the reaction of Jesus. Don't you love this? I don't know if you've got taken to underlining anything in your Bible, but I've underlined a couple of words in verse 49. 
And the words that I've underlined in my, my Bible, and you might want to as well, you know, I'm not making you, of course, but uh, are the two words, stood still. Doesn't your Bible say something like that? So Jesus stood still. Now, the Bible doesn't waste words. All right, every word that's in there is there for a reason, and it has purpose. And I think that's exactly true with what Mark records for us here. The fact that Jesus was walking down the road, he had come out of Jericho, he was on his way, it appears to me, uh, into Jerusalem, or on his way to Jerusalem, and, but the Bible says that he stood still. You ever had something big on your mind? What's your, what's your tendency when you have a big decision to make? Or when you have something that's weighing on your mind, what's your tendency? Now, some of you really may have the tendency to sit, sit still. It may be your tendency. It may be what you do when you've got something big on your mind. But I, I, I say that some of us, when we have something big on our mind, it's very hard to sit still. It's very easy to be fidgety. You might be sitting, but you'll still be a little fidgety. Your feet will move, your hands will move, you'll, you'll ring your thumbs. And some of us pace, right? We can't sit. We have to be up. We have to be pacing. Uh, watch uh, soon-to-be fathers at the hospital before a child is born. I can't put myself in the room, okay? I have no idea what it's like to be in the bed. But I can tell you what it's like to be outside of the bed as a, as a father, soon-to-be father. And I can tell you that's a very difficult position to find yourself being able to sit, you have to pace. You've got to fidget. You've got to be moving. I mean, you've got to be doing something because your mind is, is going crazy. As you scan your Bible in Mark chapter 10, what happens in chapter 11? You notice what happens in chapter 11? I mean, the very next event that Mark records after this event is the triumphal entry. Well, what's that all about? Oh, well, you know, that's just the last time that Jesus is going to enter into the city of Jerusalem before he dies on Friday. That's the Sunday before Friday when he dies on the cross. You think he didn't have something in his mind? You think he didn't have something going on? You think his, his thoughts weren't a little bit preoccupied with what was going about to take place? I'm just saying... The Bible says that in that moment, Bartimaeus was the only thing that mattered to Jesus. Isn't that something? Jesus had a whole multitude around him. But in that moment, Mark says, he stood still. And he called for Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, you're the only thing in my world right now. You're the only thing I have on my mind. Brethren and friends, that's our Savior. That's who He is. He stood still and He had compassion on a man who had a problem. That's Jesus. That's the one that we're here tonight to exalt. And here's what I find so fascinating. In verse number 51, as we look at the reaction of Jesus, first of all, He stood still. And the second thing he did, as you see there in verse 51, is he asks a question. Really? He asks a question. You see the question there in your copy of God's Word? Uh, hey, uh, Bartimaeus, I'm paraphrasing flatly, but what do you want me to do? What would you like me to do for you? Really? Uh, Jesus, maybe you are preoccupied. 
I mean, can you not tell that you have a blind man standing in front of you? It should be fairly obvious what the problem is, and it should be fairly obvious what he would like you to do. Why is the question there? I'm fascinated by the question. I'm fascinated by the fact that it is there. But I think it's for the benefit of Bartimaeus that Jesus asked the question. Bartimaeus could have asked for anything. In that moment, he could have asked for anything. But Jesus got very specific and he says, I I want you to know that I know what your problem is, but I want you to tell me. I'm not going to force myself upon you, I think Jesus is saying. I'm not going to force myself upon you, but I can take care of whatever you want me to take care of. Brethren and friends, that's the Savior we serve. What do you want me to do for you? I'll take care of it. I'll handle it. And Jesus is just powerful enough to do it. Number six, the result. You got a problem? A problem that he can't fix. A problem that calls him to be reliant on other people. You see that that, uh, he calls out for Jesus and you see the reaction of the people. And we see then the reaction of Jesus. And what's the result of all of this? Well, the, the result is Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well. The result is that Jesus healed the blind man. You've never seen that happen and neither have I. Jesus did it. He healed Bartimaeus. And we read about it and we are reminded that Jesus is truly the Son of God. That Jesus can do anything that He wants. And the result is Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the road. What a day. He starts off and he's got a problem. A problem that he can't fix. A problem that leads him to be completely reliant on other people. But he hears that it's Jesus who's coming down the road and all of a sudden there's the solution to my problem. People tell him to be quiet. Don't you talk about Jesus. But Jesus calls for him. He stands still. He asks, what can I do for you? And he heals him. What other result could there be? The man is receiving his sight and he follows Jesus down the road. I conclude with this. Friends, this life is going to bring problems. Some are going to be physical. Some are going to involve health. Some are going to involve death and some are going to involve struggles in other areas. Life is going to bring about problems. We live in a world where Satan's influence exists and those things are going to happen. Those problems are going to take place. Bartimaeus is never called a sinner. Bartimaeus is never told that that he did something that was wrong and therefore he was blinded. The fact is, he was blind. And that happens in life. No matter what your problem is, Jesus can fix it. But you know what your greatest problem is? And my greatest problem? Yes, you do. It's that sin which separates us from God. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. We need to be reminded from time to time that as difficult as life can be, and as many struggles as we can have, 
Our greatest problem is not anything physical in this life. Our greatest problem is spiritual. And it is sin that separates us from God. And if we die in that condition, we're going to be eternally separated from God. And that's simply not where we want to find ourselves. So how do we fix the problem? You can't fix it by yourself. What do you have to do? You have to beg for mercy. Beg for mercy. And Jesus hears. And Jesus has responded. And I don't deserve it. I don't deserve His grace. I don't deserve His pity. I don't deserve His compassion. But Jesus offers it. And He'll take care of our greatest problem. He healed a blind man. But He can do so much more for us. When we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5 and verse 6. When we were without strength, you see, when we were uh, in that position along the side of the road, when we were completely dependent upon somebody else to help us with our problem, Jesus came along and He died on the cross for our sin. He said, I'll take care of it. And so you have a choice. And so do I. We cry out and beg for His mercy and obey Him and receive it. Or we don't. Where do you find yourself tonight? I I guess I would ask it this way. Do you find yourself on that proverbial road walking with Jesus? Or did you stay on the side? Not everybody was on the road. Where do you find yourself tonight? Are you walking with the Lord? Or you find yourself on the sideline? As a Christian, maybe you've been on the road, but you took a, a break. Why wouldn't you come back? Why wouldn't you come back tonight? We're talking about our compassionate Savior. And His only desire is for you to be saved. His only desire is for you to go to heaven. And so won't you tonight just do what He says and get there? He's done everything He can do for you, but you must respond. Bartimaeus, your faith has made you well. You trusted and you obeyed. Will you tonight? Will you come to the Lord trusting and obeying? Will you come to the Lord tonight confessing your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, repenting of sin in your life and being immersed in the waters of baptism to have your sins washed away? Tonight, if you as a Christian, if you've gotten off the road, then won't you repent of such tonight and get back on? Won't you follow Jesus and follow Him all the way home? Tonight, if we can help you, come while together we stand and sing.